The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me all right? Great. It's nice to see you nodding your heads. And uh, good morning to those of you who are online and watching on YouTube. And and appreciate all the ways in which people attend these Sunday morning sittings. And I appreciate all of you being here. Um, Walking down here today, I reflect a little bit on how special it is to have a group of people arrive together to meditate together and have some kind of shared interest, uh, interest in meditating perhaps, and, and then um, interested in the kind of space, the kind of ambience or mutual support that comes when meditating together in a group. Some people uh, find it hard to meditate alone and, and being in a group is really inspiring. Some people, some of you might be here because of the shared values. There might be some kind of values that are shared here that are very different than what you'd find if you go to the mall. Uh, You might feel a different set of values that are being operating there. Maybe, someplace. And um, and some of you are here because you're interested in hearing some teachings and maybe because they're something important going on for you in your life. You're suffering in some way or challenged in some way and you want to address it and you hope that the teachings will somehow touch something that uh, you're trying to, you're struggling with or working with. So this is, you know, kind of in the room here, a lot of different things that I'm reflecting on and many different backgrounds here, the people, you all becoming here and, and, um, and maybe some of you bring particular things with your background and maybe some of you feel particularly safe coming into an environment like this, different than many other places. Some people maybe don't feel so safe in coming here and uh, looking around wondering, you know, is this okay for me to be here? I'm maybe first time or I'm a little different than what I think other people are like and, and um, you know, is this okay? And many years ago there was a woman who came and she was really concerned about coming here and didn't quite feel like, this okay? And am I on the right track if I'm here? Because so many of the women here have gray, gray hair. <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not today, but there's, there's, there's some. <laughs> and uh, in her culture, <clears throat> you, you didn't let your hair go gray. And so that was, that was like a big deal for her. And, uh, you know, it's just, <clears throat> do I have to be like that? And um, so what is here in the room? And uh, the question for me is, speaking to all of you, Dharma teachers, I could just kind of read an encyclopedia entry on some Buddhist topic, and then there, that's the teaching, you got it. But you're not here just for me to read an encyclopedic entry on what mindfulness is. Um, you know, there's also things like uh, the way we're attuned to each other. We attune to this, 
Did the meditation do something with the attunement that we share and the quiet, the peacefulness? What's here? You've sat being mindful for a period of time and and so what is the connection that you feel now to the room and the people that was different than when you came in here and maybe some of you never been in this community before? Has it changed at all? When I, you know, when I teach on YouTube and I usually, today I don't have a laptop in front of me, but I usually have the screen in front of me and it made such a big difference for me when I started teaching on YouTube. Uh, I, first time I was going to like, I thought this is weird. You know, it, you know, before the pandemic, I would have said, no way, no way, I mean, that can't be done. But it immediately changed because there were all these chats. And not everyone chats, but it was representative, those chats, and they were so friendly and so appreciative. And, and uh, something was conveyed of a connection to people through those chats that they came alive for me. And there was much more than just providing information now. There was an exchange, there was a sense of feeling of of a community and a connection. And maybe some of you are doing on YouTube today are already chatting, have chatted to each other, and or you will, saying hello, for example. And um, so to be attuned to what is, what is here, what are you here for, and all the different ways in which you're here. Some people, some of you have heavy things on your hearts. Some of you have, um, you know, incurable diseases that are, some people have recent losses and griefs. Some of you are really troubled by current events of different kinds. The anti-Semitism in this country that's growing seemingly. The, the racism in this country, which is maybe not growing, but becoming more public and prominent and seen. And the violence that's becoming stronger and stronger. And seemingly the mass shootings of black people and LGBTQ in Colorado Springs, black people in Buffalo, New York, and synagogues. So, so, you know, is this in the room at all? Is this, you know, kind of in the background? Or you came here for a respite from all that. You, you didn't want to have these things named here because like, finally, this is a place where if we don't do that, then we can put it all down. So how do I, as a Dharma teacher, take all this into account? Should I take it into account, or should I just read the encyclopedia entry on mindfulness, <laughs> and then you know close the book and we can go home and that and done with? It's much more going on here than just the bare teaching. There's a connection that we have, and um, and part of that connection for me is that I'm conveying something that I find incredibly valuable, and I'm delighted and grateful that I have this opportunity to share it with a group of people. And um, and I'd like to support you. I'd like to. I value you and feel like to, don't take it for granted that you've chosen to come here. You're doing this practice, so I think it's quite a beautiful thing you're doing. And have a lot of respect for what you've what brought you here and all the different ways. So thank you. And uh, I hope to that this what I do today here will have some bearing. And and what I want to do today is um, partly inspired, taking this time at the beginning to establish or to explain all this, say all this. And that is that, um, uh, what does it mean to be mindful, practice mindfulness, in our relationship with other people? 
and what 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 is is mindfulness enough? Is it enough just to show up and be with people mindfully? It depends. The answer to that depends a lot on what you mean by mindfulness. What you think it is. Lately, I've been thinking the heart of mindfulness practice is non non reactive awareness. We might react, but the awareness that is not caught in our own reactivity. And so we can bring a kind of attention that is not being influenced by our reactivity so that we can bring a kind of presence, attention to whatever's happening to ourselves and the challenges we have internally and the challenges we have externally where we can be present, see it clearly. But the seeing is non-reactive. The seeing stays clear, balanced, maybe centered, maybe available to see clearly and say, this is what's happening And if that uh, kind of is a one definition of mindfulness, non-reactive awareness, some people, or slightly different definitions, some people get the idea, impression that that's enough. It's enough just to be, uh, you know, just be mindful. But it's a little bit passive, non-reactive awareness. And uh, and in being passive, what um, um, you know is it in, is it enough just to be passively aware, non-reactively, and you know, look at someone and <laughs> be silent? I'm just I'm just being mindful with you. <laughs> Once, many years ago, I, I many years ago, maybe when I was more foolish as a teacher. But I wanted to, I wanted to uh, give a group of people, uh, it was a weekend I was teaching on mindful speaking. And so I wanted to get, give them the uh, uh, experience of what it's like, all the different communication that goes on between us uh, that is not words. So I asked them to go into a dyads and talk to it, and have one person talk about something really important in their life. I forget what it was. And the other person to just listen and look without any expressions on their face, <laughs> without any nodding, just kind of be, be fully present, but not, you know, nod and for anything. And, and uh, you could imagine that, how that went. You know, it was, you know, it was kind of, it felt pretty strange. And so the group got a very clear sense very quickly that there's much more going on in being present than just being non-reactively aware. There's other factors happening in it. And what are those other things that are useful, that are important? So one of the things is, um, uh, could be, is attunement. To be attuned to the other person. And attunement means that uh, we have a sense, an understanding of who the person is, what's going on with the individual or the group that we're here. And... um, and, uh, and that, how do, how do we become attuned? How do we have a bigger sense, a richer sense of who this is, person is and what they're saying, what they're feeling, what they're expressing, what they're hoping for, what their life is about, um, so that they feel seen, not just heard and seen, just kind of this non-reactive awareness where we don't nod, <laughs> but so they really feel like we're with them in some ways. And that takes uh, take a little bit of time willing to learn about them, find out about them, take time to take them in and understand how they are, maybe with 
if you're just meeting someone, maybe with their posture, maybe with their emotional tone, maybe with their uh, demeanor that we take in and really feel and feel connected to and somehow attuned to what's happening here with this person. And um, many years ago, maybe something that was kind of a little turning point in my social life and, and caring, being attentive to people, was um, I was working at a restaurant and I was in the changing room and there was a changing of shifts and, um, and I was getting ready to leave and a friend of mine walked in and I just, uh, um, I blurted out something very quick and fun and, you know, maybe funny or just kind of made a joke or made a kind of something on a remark that I think was innocent and fine enough in and of itself. It was a way of making a connection. But what I hadn't done is taken the time to attune myself, to know and recognize what was going on for my friend. Where, 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 where were they at? Because uh, I was so spontaneous as soon as I saw my friend. And it turned out my friend, uh, another a friend of his had just died. And he was just coming to work, just with carrying with that with him. And I had missed that. And so in some ways I caused distress and harm because I hadn't taken the time to get attuned, to be to understand and see. And I probably could have picked it up quickly if i just kind of taken two seconds to wonder what's going on here for this person. And um, so, so to be attuned with someone. And uh, so it, takes an, it means an interest in the person. And one of the things I think that uh, is really helpful for proper attunement is to respect others, to respect their value, their importance, to respect their humanity, to really kind of be attuned, to pay attention, to listen, to learn, uh, want to find out who this person is with respect. You're, you're important. Respect means you're valuable. I see you as being important enough to get to know. And how many times do we not do that? Just like me with my friend blurting out, um, uh, you know, I've been in situations where I was kind of caught up in some concern and I just really wanted to get my, you know, my latest opinion out <laughs> and, um, and uh, not really finding out whether the person wanted my opinion about something or wanted to hear, hear a five-minute story about something that had happened to me, you know, that day. Um, and so, you know, so I've, I've talked to people sometimes, you know, just kind of caught up in my own thing. And then eventually, halfway through or something, kind of noticing the person's eyes have glazed over. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> and um, and uh, why didn't I notice this earlier? Did they just glaze over? Or how long, <laughs> how long were they glazed over? So, so, you know, to talk as if the other person is not there. And I've been on the receiving end of this, where people have talked to me a few times, not a lot of times, but a few times over the many years. Um, I've had people talk to me, um, and uh, I kind of felt they must be somehow high on something. You know, I don't think they were, you know, any drugs, but they were like, they were like, like I could have gone like this in front of their eyes and they wouldn't, they wouldn't have seen me. Their eyes were kind of locked into their concern and it was quite, it was kind of a little bit, I don't know if possessed is the right word or, but, uh, you know, really kind of in their thing in such an intensity that 
I kind of felt like I didn't exist and, you know, listening to them. So to be attuned, to be interested in being attuned. So mindfulness in relationship to other people, I like to propose, is more than non-reactive awareness. It's an awareness that searches for an attunement. What is here? What's going on here? And that's also true for ourselves. The non-reactive awareness that we bring to ourselves is also an awareness that's doing something deeper to ourselves and just kind of matter-of-fact seeing things as they are. But it's a vehicle for deeper attunement to ourselves, to get to know ourselves in a deeper and fuller way. And then there's... um, uh, And then with attunement, then there's also connection. The rapport that we have with someone. What is that connection? What is going on between us? Is there friendliness? Is there, is there resistance? Is there hostility? Is there disinterest? Is there, is the person, why does this person keep looking at the door? <laughs> you know, you know, not looking at me. There's something going on here. What's happening here in the connection? But I think I would like to suggest that when, there we, when we bring the mindfulness practice, if we really want to be mindful and really use the, get the most out of mindfulness, that um, it means we're also being attuned to how we're connected and being careful with that and perhaps being conscious, conscientious about a connection which is um, healthy, that is nourishing, that's supportive, that helps us feel more connected to each other rather than more separate. And one of the, one of the reflections that I've, I often do uh, during and also after being with someone was, did what I say and how we were together, do I now feel more connected with them or do I feel more disconnected? And I've said things certainly that uh, uh, at the moment or, or sometimes afterwards, oh, I think I could feel that the person kind of pulled back a little bit or shut down a little bit or that made everyone quiet. And, uh, and, uh, and so there was a disconnect. So for example, some emotional expressions like anger uh, will, will sever a connection. I mean, some people have been angry very quickly on short notice and the connection to someone has been severed for decades. It doesn't take much sometimes to a, a real dramatic severing of connections to happen. Um, but, you know, you, so you can feel, is that, is that what you want? Do you want to kind of really have that cutting people off or pulling back? Or do you want to kind of create uh, a possibility for deeper connection? What's the value? What, what, what's important for you? Um, is in your attunement to it all, do you recognize in yourself that you're afraid? What happens if your anxiety is there? With, uh, in the relationship and maybe there's good reason for it. But how do you then establish connection or how do you care for that connection with your anxiety? Do you tell someone, you know, I feel anxious right now, but uh, I still want to go for a walk with you and maybe we'll just talk, just know that I feel anxious, that's how, how I am. Or do you somehow adjust the, adjust the situation so you can feel ease, more at ease with your anxiety? Maybe it's better if you go for a walk. Maybe it's better if you say, let's go get some tea. Just something to break, you know, because it seems a little bit too intense otherwise. Just having a cup of tea between you, that can be a great protection. 
<laughs> you know, you you don't have to be you don't have to be completely connected, you know, because you're drinking tea. So this is a little, I don't know, private thing I'll tell you. That um, I don't know how far I wanted to go <laughs> on YouTube, the world is. Um, so I teach retreats a lot, and um, and you know, and I love teaching these retreats. They're wonderful. Um, and but the most difficult part of the retreat for me is uh, when it's finally over. We're in this big room at our retreat center, and we're sitting in a circle, and it's finally over. Everyone gets up and they can talk to each other and everything. And that's the hardest part for me because for good reasons, uh, you know, people feel grateful or feel like they've really shared something deep during the retreat. And I'm the teacher for the retreat, so I'm kind of the point person for what happened, maybe. And so people come up to me with certain kind of, like, it's really important. They have important things they want to say. They say it with all this week-long retreat energy. And... And I'm, you know, kind of, you know, how I am with them has some little bit more value in that context than, you know, just someone they met at the mall. And so, um, you know, so so for standing, I learned, I feel like I have to offer a lot of attention to really be there and receive them and acknowledge it. And so that's fine in and of itself. But there's a series of people like that, and so by the end, I'm exhausted. So that's the, that's the most tiring part of the whole retreat. <laughs> so what I've learned to do is, um, uh, you know, with the closing circle, I'm sitting in a chair. And, uh, and everyone gets up and talks. What I've learned to do is I don't leave the chair. And by not leaving the chair, there's, there's a very different way that people, like what they expect from me, if I'm sitting in a chair and they come up to me, they kind of don't expect me to be fully there. <laughs> I'm kind of, I, can be, I can be kind of casually there if I'm sitting in a chair. And then, um, so, and so then that's, it works really well for me, and I appreciate talking to them. It's nice, you know, and I can be there, and, and, um, and it's, it's somehow easier. The whole thing is more relaxed. And um, so, so here's, you know, a connection that didn't work for me. I recognized it, and I found another way to be with people in a way that worked. So what is the connection? How do we establish the connection? What are we doing with that connection? Are we, is, or how we're being with it, are we losing connection? Are we severing connection? Are we healing connection? Are we making connection? Are we finding a way to be together that's nice? That's all part of the, the art of being mindful in relationship. So attunement, connection. And then there's also a connection, while we do this, to something that's other, different than just who we are together as a group. Uh, you know, individual, one-on-one, for example. There's also um, the, what else is here? So for example, here at the IMC for this today, uh, we're not just meeting at the cafeteria at the mall and to talk. We're here at a meditation center after having meditated together as a group. And there's something about this room with a high ceiling, a place people have been meditating now here for 20 years. Before those 20 years, there was about almost maybe 40 years where uh, people, there were Christians who were here 
used as a Christian church, and they were Christian mystics. And they sat in silence here in this room. And part of the reason they wanted us to have it was this church is because uh, we sat in, sat in silence. They wanted to have that continue. So we have this, you know, this. now you hear this history, right, of the place. And so there's something here that we're sitting in. There's the Dharma. We have the Buddha statue. You know, so the Dharma, some, what does that mean for you? What are the associations we have, the values, the background? Some of you might have been born into a Buddhist family. And so there's a deep family connection, family history and associations and that with, uh, with being here in Buddhism, some people, it's um, other things that you associate with it that maybe, maybe it even touches into, onto the sacred, coming in a place like this or something, maybe some, something spiritual here that you feel and sense and what's, what, what's going on here. So what is that? That's part of this picture too. So what else is going on when you're mindful of being with another person, mindful of being with a group of people? Is there an ambiance? Is there an environment? Is there a, a wider kind of association of feeling of what's here? And how do we take that into account? Um, the, um, how do we care for that? And so um, what else is present here? So uh, this question, what is present? is kind of the core, one, of the, one way of saying the core question of mindfulness. What is present here? But if you ask the question, what is present here, you're opening yourself up to discover something, take the time to feel and sense and know, what is present here? And if you only ask the question once, if you, you probably only get one answer. If you ask the question 12 times, you've got 12 different answers. There's so much here so in any situation. But not so much that you have to ask this all the time, but uh, mindfulness is also entering into situations kind of available, ready, what, to let, let yourself be informed. A kind of a way of paying attention that you're available to feel and discover and learn what else is here, what's here in the fullness of things. That you can't if you're completely preoccupied in your concern and uh, whatever it might be and, you know, but there's a kind of a dropping of self-concern enough that you can, uh, what is present here? And everything I'm talking about how to do this with other people is something we do to ourselves as well. What is present here in me? If you're caught up in the thoughts of self-concern, me, myself, and mine, ruminating about, you know, something about yourself, it's difficult to be, have this kind of, what is present here? Question, what's really here? To be attuned to yourself, to discover. The same thing, if you ask yourself that 12 questions in meditation, you might get 12 different answers but you might be living in only one of them. What happens if you open, keep opening? What else is here? What else is here? So, um, uh, so one way that uh, in the wider, outside the Buddhist insight world, that some people uh, refer to what I'm talking about to here is not mindfulness. They talk, use the word presence, practicing presence practicing presence to the present moment. 
And uh, so practicing presence means mindful, but you're being mindful more than just with the cognitive mind that knows. You're being present with all your faculties. You know, in your body, hearing, listening, smelling, feeling, emoting, kind of the resonance, all the ways in which we resonate and feel what's going on. Presence means so much more than just mindfully, you know, non-reactive awareness, I think. Or it fills it, fills in, it puts, you know, fullness into what non-reactive awareness might be. But what's fascinating for me about this word presence, it can be something we do, but it's also, uh, what's, the, what, what's present here? And some people say what's present here is many things. And so there's a presence here of calm. There's a present here of attentiveness. There's a presence here of maybe of um, certain values. Uh, many people, when they come into a Buddhist community, uh, have a heightened value in kindness, friendliness, compassion. And, uh, and so, you know, so the, what's the, what's the presence of a kind community or a presence of a space where people, there's an openness and attentiveness, awareness. So, uh, and so, you know, in some circles, you know, again, you know, non-Buddhist circles, um, people are also practicing mindfulness, but they call it the presence of God or the presence of the divine or the presence of uh, the sacred or the presence of, in Buddhism, people might say the presence of emptiness or the presence of compassion. You know, what is it? Is there something here? Some of you might not, would prefer not to use these languages, this, this way of talking, but uh, in, uh, if you want to kind of understand a little bit our practice of mindfulness, uh, that how it overlaps with so, so many different practices in other religions and other ways, uh, you need to kind of appreciate that they have other language than we have. And one of them is presence. And so when you show up, what's the presence you bring? Not just what, what awareness do you bring, but what more do you bring to the table, to the situation? And um, sometimes I go home and, and uh, I feel, you know, I bring exhaustion. <laughs> you know, after a seven-day retreat sometimes, and after that closing circle, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I bring exhaustion. Sometimes I come home from retreat and I bring a lot of calmness. I feel very quiet. Sometimes I bring all kinds of different things home. Sometimes I bring grumpiness home, you know, and, um, and you know, so what's the, what, what, what kind of presence do we bring in this situation? And how do we, uh, how do we bring awareness to how we are and what we're bringing to it, where we hold it with this non-reactive awareness? The bottom line for mindfulness practitioners, I would like to suggest, suggest, or the kind of the first, the first um, first approach is to really learn well what non-reactive awareness is. That's really key to everything else, because without the non-reactive awareness, uh, self-awareness can be bad news for a few of us. You know, people discover all kinds of things about themselves which are not necessarily, you don't necessarily have it projected onto the wall so everyone to see what's going on in your mind. 
and um, or you know, or we, or we have we're grumpy or something. You know, it's like, oh no, no, not again, and and um, or other people are being grumpy, and not again. You feel like like that. Last time I was this person, they were grumpy, and I think I'm going to recede into the background or shut down a little bit because this is too much for me, or I don't know. Um, you know, what exactly I'm saying here. <laughs> what I'm trying to get across is if we can learn to practice non-reactive awareness, if that can be the bottom line, the, the kind of fundamental thing we're doing, then all the other things we pay attention to, it's a little bit safer, it's a little bit wiser, a little bit more, it kind of works better. Because then we don't get caught in our reactivity in the way that we're present and aware. So I might be grumpy, but I'm not then afraid or angry with myself or self-conscious or embarrassed. It's just, oh, I'm just grumpy. That's how it is now. And, um, and uh, you know, and so it's very different than if I'm embarrassed or upset with myself. And the same thing with other people. Occasionally people in the world don't behave very well. It might happen. And um, and then if we can have non-reactive awareness of it, then maybe there's a whole different way in which the situation could unfold. For example, what if the person's misbehaving, and what if you say, what else is present here? How, what 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 is it? What can I be? I attuned to in this person. This person's certainly angry, but as I take the time to attune myself to the person. I see the person's also very afraid. That seems to be the background for this anger, is their fear and insecurity. Does that make a difference, how you relate to them and then how you connect then because of it? Or, you know, so this non-reactive awareness is the foundation. So, but non-reactive awareness maybe is not enough. Maybe the fullness of mindfulness practice has all these different dimensions to it that do, does involve, it's not passive, does involve intentionality of some type free from you, some sense of purpose. Let's, let's practice non-reactive awareness to become better attuned, better connected, better aware of the context and the atmosphere and the, what else is present here. Let's enter into this world more fully so that we can be wise and caring for this world in a way that we can't if we are not really aware, attuned, connected, and respectful of everyone. So, mindfulness, bring mindfulness into your life. At the end of retreats, people often ask, Mindfulness is fine. How do I bring it into my life? And some of you maybe got more than you wanted to today. Wow, that's a lot of work. It's a lot to do. So um, maybe we can take a couple of minutes if some of you have a comment or a question you'd like to make about any of this or about anything else. Um, We have a few minutes here. Hi, thank you so much. Um, um, 
with the non-reactive awareness and just being aware of sort of this, uh, where other people are at, where you're at, um, I've had situations and I've heard a lot of teachers say the way people behave towards you has more to do with them than you. So I try to bring that into my awareness, but sometimes if there's like so much of someone's anger coming towards you, I I just don't know. I can't always um, be present with that and work with it. And um, it's very upsetting in relationships because I feel like there's been situations where I, I didn't feel like I did anything, but I'm bringing up something in someone else. Yeah. And then... It just it wasn't savable, even with the awareness of sure. what's going on in that other person. So, um, I guess in that situation, I can only work with my reactions to it, and it, it's just really it can be very painful. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's, it's huge. The topic what you're raised. There's so many variables, so many different ways that this plays itself out. So, I'll say a few words. Um, <clears throat> one is that. Um, uh, there is something to be said about being prepared for those sto- those events, not to kind of just show up and think you're supposed to take care of it then and there, but if it's a regular thing, enough prepare yourself. And one of the ways is to meditate, uh, not necessarily just before the event, but just a regular practice, because it gives you the presence of mind, the calmness, the attentiveness, so that you're not reactive excessively. That if someone's angry with you, and then you can kind of be a little bit calm enough to then. Find your bearings and know what you should do. Um, that, that's one. The other is in pre- preparing. If it's someone you know well, <clears throat> and this happens you know, regularly enough, wait for a time when it's not happening and everything is cool and nice and say, can we, can we have a little conversation? It would be helpful for me. You know, I get really afraid when, or it's challenging for me when you're angry and it's probably going to happen again. Um, could we have some understanding of how we navigate that next time it happens? Like, can I just raise my hand and, and we pause and breathe deeply for three breaths? Would that be okay with you or something? You know, to have, you know see if you can make some kind of arrangement ahead of time. Might, might work, might not. Uh, and some, sometimes it's helpful in terms of, uh, I mean, in certain, certain circumstances, it's helpful to let people know the impact their anger has on you. And um, and there are some people, if you tell them, boy, when you're, you know, I, I feel really afraid right now. People can, some people are surprised by that. And it kind of changes the context. Like, you know, like, well, what do I do now with my anger if they're afraid? Do I just keep going or hold back? And, and so some people, that's a powerful thing to say. I'm, you know, boy, I'm really afraid right now. And then it might change the context of the conversation. It happened here in this building for me once where um, we were doing renovation on the building and there was a lot of noise. And one of the neighbors who had a tendency to complain about any noise that came out of this building, I mean, imagine, this is, what do we do here? <laughs> but occasionally, you know, it's, you know it's, there's noise coming out. And uh, there was a renovation work, and the person came over and was furious. And, and it was, uh, I was the recipient of this fury, and I just stood there receiving all this fury. It was quite something. And the person finally paused, and I said this. I said, oh, we, uh, you know, I feel really afraid right now. The person immediately calmed down. It was dramatic. And, and uh, I don't think the person wanted to have that impact. And realizing how big the impact had been, 
then it, the person backed down dramatically from it, and we, the whole thing kind of, you know, de-escalated or whatever. So I don't know. That doesn't always work, but it's a whole art. I mean, this I don't want to s- suggest that it's a simple and easy thing to do. And sometimes, in certain situations, the best thing to do is get out of there, stand behind someone else. <laughs> you know, so so it's so many different you know scenarios that where this plays out, but. Um, but this idea of preparing yourself, uh, thinking of this, pra- you know, by just practicing and developing a capacity for mindfulness and calm awareness, so that the best, you have maybe maybe the best chance to figure out what to do. Thank you. So maybe one more, all the way in the back, if you don't mind taking it there, and then we'll st- we'll stop here. All the way here. <laughs> Well, I noticed in myself that um, I became reactive when I heard that this was being broadcast on YouTube. Um, And I'm just wondering uh, what your thoughts are on how we can mindfully relate with YouTube and social media. Oh, because YouTube is, uh, you know, the, the, the... The, the the politics, the economics, the capitalism, the there's so many so many problems with uh, YouTube and social media and all these reasons, right? Things like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, that's a big topic, and uh, I think it's reasonable to have your concern. And I wish I was as well informed, maybe as you are, about how all this works. So I. I, I I'm remiss in not being fully educated about the impact and how it all works. But um, uh, what, I, what I understand is that we're using the social media or the YouTube, that's what it's called, YouTube, uh, for, for a greater good. And we're taking something and we're putting a positive spin in it so it's being used in, in a good, healthy way. And one of the evidences that maybe it's a healthy place on YouTube was at some point someone joined us for the first time on YouTube and they put in the chat, this is the friendliest place I've ever seen on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I don't know if that's true. I'm not on YouTube otherwise. But but I'm hoping that the the goodness of what we're doing here um, uh, is doing greater good for the world than harm. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So, uh, there's a T now, as you say hello to each other. Some of you are here for the first time are new. What I'd like to ask you, if you're willing, and you don't have to, but uh, if you could just uh, turn to someone next to you and say hello, and even if it's your first time here, welcome them. <laughs> welcome, welcome each other. And if you want to say a little bit more, you can say, was there anything about this talk that was, uh, you know, Maybe useful for you to hear, or interesting that you want to kind of think about more or something, and then it can just be two minutes or so if you'd like. It just is just to be friendly, and um, and then um, uh, if those of you who want to stay, we'll have the tea time and stand outside. We can take off the masks outside, and it's blue skies, so it should be good for a few minutes for a little while. Thank you. <laughs> 